Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. What's up, what's up, what's up, and welcome to episode 225 of the Pesky Report presented by Belly Up Sports Media. My name is Brandon Brewer, and joining me on this fine Sunday afternoon, I have the one, the only, Mr. Ed Hand. Ed, what's up, brother? Oh, hey, man. I'm uh, I'm good, uh, but I got a... I got some bad news for you. There are um, other Ed Hands out there. Uh, no, they 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 are named the same thing. There's actually an Edward Hand uh, Middle School, I think in Virginia or something like that. There was uh, an entire entire movie based off of me called uh, Edward Scissorhands. So you, you know, like I'm not the no. not the only no. one. That's all I'm saying. In, in in the Hogdale universe, there is only one, and it is you, my universe. friend. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of Hogdale Universe, we also have here on the podcast the man that since the last time we recorded has has uh, stopped a bank robbery and usurped the moon, and that is Hogdale. What's up, Hogdale? How are you today? Yeah, I'm pretty good, man. I mean, I'm glad that I could start off my conquest of space and time off on the right foot, and I'm just really glad to see everyone is really supporting me in this endeavor. Well, of course, you know, anytime somebody from the group decides to to go on and and you know try to take over any kind of land or uh, space for that matter, we we've got to support it because you What's are that? one of the family. So, you know, I've staked my claim on the moon. Uh, you know, if Elon wants to try to swing by on his way to Mars. He can fucking fight me for it. Come at me, Emerald Mine boy. <laughs> I'm I'm mostly just like amazed that you were able to get out there so easily without a spacesuit like that. Like I, you know, generally I think like uh, knowledge is that uh, you know, like the scientific community has told me that um, you need oxygen to breathe in space, and you're just you're just sitting there chilling out, drinking a beer, no spacesuit, planting your flag. I yeah. saw the picture in the newspaper, and it was literally Hogdale taking a selfie on the moon without a helmet on, just like taunting Earth. 
How are you even getting reception there? Like on the moon? That's crazy. Feats of Hogdale, man. It's just one of my, you know, uh, one of my remarkable talents. You know, just a, it's just something I can do. <laughs> I, I think, I think what we're confirming is that Hogdale is his own hotspot. Yeah, I have an inconsistent Wi-Fi signal emitting. I, I look forward to more feats of Hogdale as this season goes on because it, it's only bound to get more incredible the, the longer this season goes. Um, speaking of the season, we are 11 days away from opening day at the time of this recording. By the time most of you are listening to that, we will be down to about 10 days or less, which is absolutely fantastic, super exciting. We're coming to the end of meaningless baseball. Um of course, if you've been following Twitter, you kind of get that jab a little bit and you understand that, <laughs> uh, of course, I'm not talking about um, baseball being meaningless. I'm just kind of making fun of one particular person. Um, we do know that Corey Kluber is going to get the ball on opening day. We kind of speculated that last week whenever we were talking, but it has now been made official. Corey Kluber will get the ball on March 30th, and then Christopher Allen Sale will get the ball in game two which will be on April 1st. Uh, what is our thoughts about Corey Kluber getting that opening day start? Yeah, man, whatever. Um, I don't really care that much when, like who has the opening day start because once the season gets started, it, the games are all worth the same. So it's like, you know, is it a little symbolic? Maybe. You want to give like your best pitcher the most starts? Sure, but... Does it, does it really matter if Chris Sale is pitching game two and game seven and game 12 or whatever it is um, at the end of the day? No. Um, and it eases him in a little bit better. Uh, do I think Corey Kluber is, uh, you know, the same pitcher that he was when he won two Cy Young Awards? Probably not, but he'll get the job done. He's a respected veteran. Um, kind of cool because he actually lives in the area uh, during the offseason. He lives in Winchester, so that's pretty cool. Um but yeah, it's it's fine, you know. I think it's kind of good that they're easing sale and slower, if anything. Yeah, yeah I, I tend to agree. Go ahead, Hogdale. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I agree, it's nice to <laughs> see Glover uh, getting pencil in as the starter. Chris Sale said it's nice that it takes the pressure off of him, which is also nice. Can I just say though, because uh, you know, paying attention halfway at least to spring training these last two weeks, because I don't know about you guys, like are y'all watching these games? Like you know, at, at, you know. Ed's like a big prospect guy, so he's watching the games. Spring training, I watch for about a week, and then uh, my brain's like, oh, wait, these games don't matter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm investing in a lie. But the things I have noticed is that, like, you know, like, uh, I remember, like, a few weeks ago, you know, big talking point, like, oh, the Red Sox just pitching stuff decimated with injuries, and we've already seen Bellow throw again in spring training. Or sorry, Bayo throw again in spring training and Whitlock throw again in spring training. So, you know, yeah, the 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 hot takes that they're both gonna start the season on an extended IL stint looks good on you, fucking fear monglers. <laughs> well, I mean that that's kind of how Boston media works is uh if if somebody gets a hangnail, you know, we gotta speculate that it's <laughs> it's cancer and they'll be dead within the week. So hangnails are a thing, man. It is, Especially it is Boston. It, it is a real thing, especially if you ask anyone in Boston media. Everybody is is uh, highly at risk of that. Um, it, Hogdale, you mentioned like 
you kind of tune out during spring spring training because these games really don't matter. It they do matter in terms of getting your reps in and and getting yourself built back up into uh, playing shape and stuff like that. And it, and it matters a lot if you're a prospect who's trying to move up in the system or make it to a 40 man roster or w- what have you. But in the grand scheme of things, these these games don't count for your stats. The records don't count. It doesn't really matter if you win or lose. That's why they allow games to end in a tie in spring training. But the World Baseball Classic games, those those seem to matter a little bit. Have you been watching any of that, Hogdale? I've been yeah, I've been paying attention. The thing is, I don't have the the the, the cable necessary to watch them. So like, I really uh, I've just kind of been experiencing it through Twitter and other social media. It's been super exciting. I've seen the viewership numbers, like especially. Uh, I think I saw a stat that like two out of every three TVs in Puerto Rico like are watching the World Baseball Classic. Fifty percent of all TVs in Japan are watching the World Baseball Classic, which is just unreal numbers. Like that's those are ratings numbers that blow the NBA Finals out of the water. It's nuts. Like we're talking about Game of Thrones numbers at this point. It's ridiculous. Um, but and, they don't, it and, doesn't matter though. So and, and, and I, I am kind of uh, confused a little bit, though, Hogdale, because we already established that you have your own hotspot. So I'm, I'm not sure how you're not able to uh, just find links or be able to stream these games. But Hogdale's very anti-piracy. Oh, OK. I guess, like I guess the that's power. the thing. He has the power. But you know what? With great power comes great responsibility. And very well. People work okay. hard to make their money off of uh, off of legal streaming, and Hogdale will respect that. Because no, he's I, a would, man. I, would, I would never, ever, not even once, do the moral, you know, the, the terribly immoral thing of, you know, doing an illegal stream. Who would do that? You, you imagine, like, someone come on. You think I would come on here and just lie about something like that? People go on the internet and lie? That's crazy. Uh, absolutely never not. Do that. <laughs> you would, you would absolutely Hogdale has way never. too much character to do that. I, um, I will tell you though, Hogdale, if you want to just have my Fubo password so you can watch that, like, oh, yeah, you know, all I'm saying, good deal. Because yeah, my my we only get uh, like cable stuff in my house during football season because like my dad's like willing to pay for cable during the football season. Any other time, he's like, fuck that, too expensive. Oh yeah, no, you Which can just, seriously. I I got Nessun, man. You can just go and watch that on it. Shout out to Nessun. What? What Dude. a tremendous, tremendous American your dad is, though. That is that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, literally, I just remembered. I will pay for football and nothing else. <laughs> yes, dude. I just remembered like a, a pleasant thought occurred in my brain. Like I, I heard the word Nesson, and the first thing that crawled, uh, went to my mind is like, man, I don't have to listen to Tony Maz call games this year. That's crazy. That's so cool. <laughs> That's, that is a good thing. Um, also a good thing is, you know, because of the world baseball classic starting to wind down, we're down to the final four teams of the tournament. Uh, some players are starting to make their way back into the big league camps. Most notably Raphael Devers is back with the Boston Red Sox and Yu Chang, uh, pool B, I believe it was MVP. Yu Chang will be back with the Red Sox on Monday. So we're getting some of the boys back. We're getting uh, everybody's going to get that chemistry working again. Of course, the Red Sox still have several players that are among the teams that are still in the tournament. So I wonder how it's going to be with them playing so long in the tournament and then trying to integrate back into the uh, rotation. But we'll see. I think everybody's going to be game speed ready come March 30th. But Rafi's back. 
Are we excited about Rafi? Oh, you know it. I mean, he he's always been kind of a slow starter, too. So it's kind of nice that he's had like high intensity at bats now that didn't go that great for him. I, I can't believe the Dominican Republic didn't even get out of like the like the pool, the pool oh, matches. God, that was considering the talent that that team has is just unreal. You gotta play the games. This isn't the first time it's been kind of disappointing with the with like a super team like that too. Um, but it's pretty it's pretty cool now. I think the final four we've got the U.S. and Cuba tonight, and then Mexico and Japan. Oh my god! I watched that uh, Puerto Rico Mexico game the other night. That was one of the best ball games I've watched in a while. That was so much fun. And then USA and Venezuela last night was equally as fun because I mean, we've, we've had top tier baseball to watch and it's for people that are saying that it doesn't matter. And it's a make believe tournament. Like you're clearly not watching because this, the roller coaster ride of emotions that you get taken on for these games is unreal. And I'm stoked for the, the final four. Uh, I think we've got two great matchups ready to go. And I believe it was Carabas that uh, texted or tweeted that he, um, he like we're due for another great baseball movie. I think that great baseball movie is the USA versus Japan in the finals. It's going to be good. Like if that, I mean, you, you know what? I don't want to count anybody out yet. I don't want to count Cuba out and I don't want to count Mexico out. So I don't either, but, but I think, yeah. I think that movie needs to be USA versus Japan. I mean, like Mike Trout versus Shohei Atani. The, the two marquee players on both teams going head-to-head against one another. Japan has already uh, basically tipped their cap in saying that Shohei's going to pitch in the finals. Yeah, they are having a Sasaki or whatever his name is yeah. throw against Mexico. So, throw against Mexico, right. So they're, they're already saying Otani's going to be pitching in the finals. So imagine how crazy it's going to be whenever Otani is pitching to Mike Trout. That what is he plunk some movie worthy. Oh, that would be <laughs> epic. I gotta say though, <laughs> it, it is cool, like how Otani is such a big game player. He he really does like elevate every aspect of his stuff, like when the games matter more. Like he, he was touching 102 with his fastball the other day. Unreal. Unreal. And that's the thing. Uh, if you like look in the advanced stats and like high leverage moments, that's just what he does is like it's like, oh, in this uh, higher leverage moment, I will simply throw the ball harder. <laughs> like, he's, he's, like, sitting, like, 97, 98 in the game, but he's keeping fucking 102 in his back pocket, you know, just for whatever he needs it. <laughs> his flair for the dramatic is something else also, just, like, his timing. Like, he's, prior to the pitch clock, he was the best thing to happen to baseball since steroids. Literally. <laughs> that that needs to be on a quote card. I love that, that quote right there. That's awesome. Uh, Rafi's back in camp though. And that leads me to um, stinks. <laughs> Hogdale. That was completely out of line, sir. <laughs> we, we just talked about how you would not lie to the people because you have such moral character. <laughs> yeah, and then you're going to drop that one on. Yeah. yeah. But it brings me to a, a tweet that you Ed hand tweeted out, uh, earlier this week. And you ask the fans, who is your favorite Red Sox player on the 40-man roster not named Rafael Devers? And boy, do the people have a hard time following directions because 90% of the people listed out three or four players. But, including Rafi, right? 
Uh, some of them list, listed Rafi as well. It's like, dude, like you clearly don't read. But um, I did go through and I deciphered 275 comments that you got on that tweet. Holy shit. And uh, I, I came out with uh, some results to find out who the most popular players on this team are. Other than Rafi Nevers. Um, I'm not going to read through the whole list because you do have some guys that got one vote that, I mean, it, it's irrelevant. So I'll just go for the top five. Okay, and, so start uh, at five. Let's do some drama here. Number five. Okay, number five. Um, should, I, should, should I make you guys try to guess based off of me describing these players? Yeah, sure. let's do that. That's okay. Good. Uh, number five is a pitcher who is um, – this will be his technically his second year. His rookie season was last season, and he's been sl- slotted in as being one of the premier pitchers that the Red Sox will have for years to come. Garrett Whitlock. Ray Bayo. Bayo. Bayo oh, came in at number five uh, with, with 13 total votes of people saying that that is their favorite player. Already? Oh, man. Already. Um, number Pedro four. Warco videos are getting people gassed up. <laughs> I think that's got a lot to do with it. Uh, number yeah. four on the list is a guy that has basically been a, a, an off-season uh, billboard for attention and someone that has has dem- demanded that all of the universe focus on him. Cassis? And Tr- Cass- Tristan Cassis. Cassis. Yeah, and he, he came in with 17 votes. Um, they haven't even number- done it on the team. That's so funny. I, I know. Uh <laughs> Future rookie of the year, Tristan Cassis is number four on the list. Future fucking and league MVP, Hall of Famer, Tristan Cassis. Glove guys, come on. There you Platinum go. Platinum glove. I, glove. I love it. That? I love it. Yes. <laughs> uh, number three on the list is a guy that is uh, returning to form this season. And a lot of people are expecting a big performance from this guy all year long. And uh, hope that he is able to rekindle his... Sale 20, 2018 status. Yeah, it's got to be Chris Sale. It's got to be Sale. It's got to be Chris Sale. Yeah. I thought Sale would be number one or number two. So this is this is going to be interesting. I feel like Verdugo is number one. I feel like he and Kike. It's got to be Kike. Kike's got to be number one. Oh, that's a good point. So, so Chris Sale. PK. Chris Sale had eighteen votes. So so far, just to recap, Bayo had thirteen. Cassis had seventeen. Sale had eighteen. So the top two. They ran away. Uh, the top two ran away with this list. Absolutely. Um, number two on the list is the guy that I would say has the most swag on the team. That's um, Verdugo. <laughs> That's Verdugo. Alex Verdugo yeah. with 43 votes. The people love um, Alex Verdugo. People do love Alex Verdugo, but the people love number one even more. And it's a guy this offseason that was responsible for recruiting several you players can. to the team. And who is going to assume the mantle of shortstop on the Boston Red Sox? And it's and TK yet, Hernandez. No, her All Star appearances. What? The, how is he popular without ever making the All Star team? That is insane. insane, dude. That catch but, he made in center field from the World Baseball Classic. Holy shit! It's 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 insane that he is, he came up like as an infielder, and he will be a shortstop this year. Um, well, most people but say he, shortstop he, is his best defensive position, which he is a bona fide gold glove center fielder. He's a gold glove center fielder. If he had not got hurt last year and missed time, 
I think we're talking about a gold glove center fielder playing shortstop for the Boston Red Sox, which is absolutely wild. And just so you guys know, he had 58 first place votes in, in this. Uh, Deserved. So he, he ran away with it for sure. But some of the guys that, that got honorable mention, I guess, uh, Garrett Whitlock had 12. Yoshida, who has never actually played a game with the Boston Red Sox, had 11. Um, Sedan like Rafaela had four. <laughs> He hasn't Which, even played above double A yet. I mean, I like, I mean, have, have you seen Raphaela's defense? Oh, though? like he, I get he's it. phenomenal. He's phenomenal. And I mean, that those are people that I feel like understood the assignment because they were like, who's my favorite guy on this 40 man? Raphaela. He's by the he's, way, uh, I almost responded under like Ed's thing just to put like Raphael Devers just to be a shithead. But I was like, ah, oh, you know, I, I won't, I won't go now. I appreciate <laughs> but, that, Hogdale. What a, what a, well, what, a, what, a, what a sweet guy you are. A, a couple of the more, couple of the more interesting ones that were put on there. Um, Rymel Tapia and Jorge Alfaro, two guys that are not actually on the forty man yet. I think Do they're both th- making the team, right? Same. I, I I think they've got to, and that's why I wanted to include them in this conversation is because while they're not officially on the forty man, so the people that put those on on there. Uh, either don't understand the question that you were asking, or they said, you know what? I'm just going to answer because I know this guy's going to be on the 40 man anyway, but Tapia and Alfaro, those are two guys that I think could not only make the 40 man, but I think they both could earn a spot on the 26 man opening day rosters. Oh, well, I think they're both going to, because if they are not on the 26 man, like if they option them, another team will just snatch them up. So I don't think that, uh, there's a chance that that happens. Um, we'll know by next week, actually, because I think the 25th is the uh, when they're like um, their upward mobility clause activates. Yep, that's um, D-Day for that one. Yeah, so I mean, Tapia makes so makes just, he's been so good. Um, you know, hitting home runs, hitting stuff opposite field. He's fast. He plays good defense. Um, and you need that depth, especially if somebody gets hurt. You really, I don't think anybody particularly wants to see a, another year with like a Jalen uh, Davis having to have meaningful at bats or like um, Abraham Almonte getting a full month, uh, a month of the majors and regular playing time in center field. Uh, I think that somebody like you, you need your sure thing. The fact that Tapia, they even got him on a minor league contract is, 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 is jaw dropping to me. I think even within the uh, organization, they were, pretty surprised by that because he's proven that he's a consistently solid outfielder. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to win any MVPs or anything like that, but you need people, guys that just play the game the right way. And he does, he does a little bit of everything. He can play defense. He can hit whenever it matters. He can run. He's just an all around good player. Like you said, he's not great. He's not going to, to win an MVP or a triple crown, but he's going to be consistently good. Yeah. And Alfaro um, gives them something too that they needed, um, which is like a legitimately like able catcher. Because I mean, and I like Reese McGuire, but he's never been able to hold down a starting job before. So putting all that on one guy's shoulders and then having like Connor Wong as his backup, it never. I know people really like Wong, and I know people really like McGuire, but I think especially for catcher, the the veteran presence is important and. What a presence Alfaro is! I mean, it's like literally like uh, my dad saw him the other the other day, like at a spring training thing that he was watching. And he go, he, he thought it was actually Jason Momoa 
So, yeah. you know, that's a presence right there. But it's got power and an absolute rifle for an arm. Maybe they could uh, convince him to take a few walks. That would be great. But, you know, like, uh, power's got to come from somewhere. And everybody was clamoring about Gary Sanchez. But I, I like Alfaro better than Gary Sanchez. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Aquaman as well. And I, I think that he... He has played his way into a uh, at least consideration for that spot. I mean, I know he went with Team Columbia and all that stuff, but even with Team Columbia, he went like four for five with a couple doubles and a bomb. So like he w- he didn't just go and strike out five times and then come back to the Red Sox like, okay, I'm ready for spring training 2.0. Like he was like, I went, I hit bombs, I'm back, I'm ready to hit more bombs. In hit fact, a bomb yesterday, it, it just landed in my backyard. <laughs> as we were talking it landed in my backyard that's you heard it here first that that was an absolute moon blast that he shot uh it, it flew right by hogdale's head on the moon and then it just landed in my backyard pretty decent of hogdale just dodging it and not catching it that was pretty it's cool of you hogdale yeah you know you, i can't have them all gotta let some of them slip by but uh, what what is the update on Connor Wong? Is there any new information provided for him? I last we saw, or last last I heard at least, he had the grade one hamstring uh, strain, and he's kind of just been nursing that. I haven't heard any updates or provided timelines on when he could return. I haven't heard much with the specific timelines. I feel like it was somewhere that Monday he was going to see some game action, though. Like it's been a pretty pretty up they're pretty optimistic about the recovery i still don't think he's going to make the opening day roster i think it makes more sense for him to start at triple a and kind of work himself back into playing you know as a catcher somebody that that crouches down and squats all the time if you've got a bum hammy that's it's going to be tough plus i mean catcher's a physically demanding position i mean yeah it's there's a better chance than not one of the, the other two guys will get hurt at some point in the season Yep, good point. So that leads me to to ask, you know, we've got these two guys, Tapia and Alfaro, who are on the outside looking in as of right now. Who are the two most likely people to get DFA'd to make room for them on that 40-man roster? I mean, I think we all know the first one. Um, why Caleb Boyd. I was going to say one, two, three, and then we all say who it is, but yes, Caleb Boyd. <laughs> okay, um, okay. Let, let, let's yeah. rewind. Go ahead. Yeah, so I, th- I think we all know who uh, the person is, so let's just say it on three. Ready? One, two, three. Caleb Ort. Caleb Ort. Yeah. He's not good. Um, he, just hasn't <laughs> pitched, he hasn't pitched well. He might sneak past uh, waivers, so then they just keep him at AAA, and if he can, uh, you know, he can be the closer there again, and if they need a reliever, like, he's done it now um in the majors but i just don't they have such a surplus of right-handed relievers right now with between you know like uh wyatt uh wyatt mills and um uh zach kelly and ryan brazier and all all of these guys and then you know once some of the starters come back you put cutter crawford and tanner hauk into that mix it's it's they don't they really don't need him and he's he's kind of pitched his way out of that spot it's with this spring that doesn't mean he's never going to find it again but he hasn't looked good um so that would be the first guy and then it gets a lot harder after that um 
My thought is that they try to find a landing spot for Duran or Dalbeck. They try to make a trade with those guys for like uh, prospects or something like that. So they had to open the 40 man spot. Uh, but I'm curious what your takeaway there is, Hogdale. Like, wh- what do you think? Who do you think the second man out would be? I mean, in my perfect world, it'd be Ryan Brazier. But for some reason, this organization is obsessed with this man. Dude, he's looked uh, good. He looked good. He's today. looked good. He he's has, looked good he has, in multiple regular seasons before. Before completely melting down. I'm not convinced. <laughs> this is fucking. This man is like point. the the ugly girl with like 20 layers of makeup on. Like, see, look, presentable. Like a rainy day happens. Like, oh shit, who could have foreseen this? Like, bro, <laughs> I fucking. So yeah, I don't know. It's just for some reason. Like, I feel like they really they they like Bobby and they want to keep him around. Even though, like, I could definitely like. Maybe you could trade him for sure. I could definitely see them trading Duran. I mean, obviously, you guys know my hate boner for Jaron Duran. But, uh, <laughs> but, I mean, I'm down with anything either way. I mean, uh, I, I'm kind of confused. There definitely is a, a decision to be made. It's not a, super, not a super easy one. Like, there's a – which is a pretty good problem to have, to have a lot of at least decent baseball players on a team. I wonder if they put Adalberto Mondesi on the 60-day IL to start the season just so they don't have to, like, try to rush him back. Well, maybe. That that might be uh, an option if that's something that they can do. That would at least buy some time to uh, figure out who would be the, the last remaining person to get cut for that. Uh, if they had to make the decision on March 25th, um, I think somebody like an Alan Castro might be a candidate for that because he's <laughs> a, a 19 year old outfielder that I think could probably slip through waiver. Oh, I'm, f- I'm familiar with Alan Castro's uh, game and uh, yes, he, he would. <laughs> so I, I, I think that that would probably be the, uh, the next likely candidate outside of Caleb Ort. Yeah. Makes the most sense there. So let's see, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Bayo. He made his spring debut today against the Phillies, and he looked good, looked really good, was able to to come in, get a few Ks. Well, what, what are you doing, Ed? I'm fanning myself because he was so hot so today. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so hot today. I could feel it through the, the, the TV. It was, yeah, you know, he looked good. I, he had the, struck out the first two guys he saw, then struck out the last guy. Everything else just weak ground outs. Like he looked, he looked like Brian Bayo, so it was very encouraging to see. It looked like you were swatting gnats away from your face. Like <laughs> I mean, uh, that too. That uh, too. Like Jabba, Cham- Jabba, Jabba, Jabba Chamberlain. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that Jabba, yeah. Jabba yeah. game. Uh, <laughs> swiping all the bugs away. <laughs> That's what you literally. Like. <laughs> oh my god. Hogdale, what do you think? Uh, Bayo looking like Bayo. I cannot wait for this man to you know, just absolutely shove in the regular season. I have so much faith in that he's going to break out this year. Uh, the, the the stuff is just so filthy. And uh, his, his ceiling, it just seems like it's limitless. Like, I've, I, he, I think he really can be a true ace if things break completely right his way. Uh, just for the, just I really hope the injury stuff, like, just goes away. Don't have to worry about that. Because it's just mm-hmm. so fun when you see, like, a special talent come up and, just gets hampered with injuries. Yeah, though that's always the most frustrating, and that really is. He's got four pitches that he can use to get out, which is you know, and that fastball. That like, all his pitches are so good, and he's so confident out there. Um, 
But he wasn't the only guy that we saw kind of uh, make uh, make his return this week. We, we had Garrett Whitlock pitching again too, but he, he looks looked, good uh, too. He looked nasty. Um, you know, like he looked like the Whitlock of old. Uh, how we saw pitch again as a starter, and you know he couldn't get Matt Olson out, but he did get through a few innings. And I, I really, I, I think call, I think uh, Cutter Crawford got through five innings yesterday, and like, look, didn't give up any runs. Um, I, I, I tend to think that Crawford and Hauk get moved back to the pen. Um, once. Yes, but that's not the worst problem to have, you know. No, that makes the bullpen insanely good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't like how not being in a setup spot to start the season, but I understand why they would start him in the rotation. I think if it were me doing it, I'd probably – I mean, Crawford, I think you're fine putting him in the five spot. I can see why they'd go Hauk over Winkowski there too. I think you could have one of Crawford and Winkowski in there. You probably shouldn't have both. But that's the thing, though, is like I really do feel like the uh, – it just seems like the, the dream of Hauk to being a starter is dead. Like, this man cannot come up with a consistent third pitch. Like, he's we've been asking him to do it for about three years now, and he can't. And listen, not everyone can do that. That's a tough transition to make, you know, to have, like, three or four pitches where you're just nasty and you can, you know, become a starter and go long into games. But if you're if we can just be content, like, having him be lights out in the bullpen, like, fine. It's whatever. But it, it just kind of seems like the, the help to starter train is has kind of derailed and exploded. Yeah, I mean, with I, that said, though, I'm fine with them stretching him out. Hundred percent. I I'm starting to uh, agree more with Ryan Brady with on the Hulk assessment, yeah. in that he needs to be the eighth inning guy, and kind of be Jansen's understudy for a couple of seasons. For Jansen's with the Red Sox for two years. Hulk needs to be the eighth inning guy for the next two years, and then once Jansen moves on. Hauk would assume the role as closer and he would just go on throughout the rest of his Red Sox career as the closer. Uh, I think he's got the pedigree to be that guy. He's a little bit crazy, which you kind of want your closers to be anyway. And I think with uh, his, his pitches, it plays really well for one time through a lineup. That's about it. It seems like he gets in trouble the more they see him. So like the second and then even worse, the third time through a lineup, he he's absolutely crap. But seeing him for just three outs in the eighth inning late in the game when you're already tired and then he comes in with his electric stuff, that, that's nails at the end of your bullpen. And I like that a lot. Yeah, I'm, I like him there much more than I like Whitlock, who I think has um... – he has a bit better command of his uh, of all of his pitches, and I think just a wider variety of them. So I think that he's more suited for the rotation. But you know, we'll see where we're at at the end of the year. I'm just glad, honestly, that we don't have to be debating it going into the season. Like guys have kind of set rules right now, and that's that's a relief. That is a bit of a relief, and uh, it, it brings me to wanting to talk about the rest of the bullpen a little bit, and. And our good friend, Mr. Ed Hand, has been ranking these guys in the bullpen. And actually, before we get into that, Ed, I want to let you know that uh, somebody has reached out to us and wants to sponsor the what? Ed Hand Trustometer for 2023. Wait, are you serious? Yeah. Uh, there, there is a company called Chips Crackers that wants to sponsor the Ed Hand Trustometer for 2023. 
and their slogan is absolutely brilliant. It's don't settle for average crackers, reach for chips. Huh. I'm not, wow. Wow. That we, we made it, guys. I can finally buy you that bathtub made of unicorn bones, Hogdale. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I'm I'm astounded. I'm ready to ready to go. All right. So here's here's the trustometer for this week. And I didn't put the amount that they went up and they went down because at this, like, I, I had to drop so many people off because of people being, like, designated for assignment. Um, so starting at the bottom, I've got Caleb Orth there. Um, I think he's clearly been the worst in the pen. Uh, then it's Julie Rodriguez, who's going to be on the IL to start the season. Um, it's not really a knock on him. It's just that he's hurt and they haven't officially brought someone up. So I'm not, I've heard it's going to be uh Modane or Mosqueda or Ryan Sheriff. Um, so they'll probably move into that spot, whatever that happens. But for the time being, it's what it is. Uh, then we've got Ryan Brazier who, um, you know, if he's a solid middle reliever, everyone's going to be pretty happy about that. Uh, for $2 million, you really can't complain. And he hasn't, we were talking about this a little bit before he's looked pretty good. He's throwing strikes. He's using a slider more. His sequencing is a lot better. I I, I made a lot of jokes about him pit throwing 80 innings with a 0.00 ERA. I, I think that there's a real chance, though, that he has, you know, like 60 innings, 3.20. I, I mean, doesn't walk a lot of guys, doesn't get a lot of high leverage spots, but he still, he still needs guys where like that. I think you're deluding yourself, dude. I, I've, I've said this before. Alex Cora cannot help himself with this man. He's going to be inserted in high leverage moments that he has no fucking business being in because Alex Cora simply just cannot help himself. He loves his guys too much. I mean, you might not. I mean, you might not be wrong about that, but you know, at least I don't want him fired into the sun at this point. Like, I think we're on the hopium be... and the copium. Like, hopefully, he does not do that. <laughs> I want some. I want some copium. I could. I could. Where, where could I buy that from? I, I need that hogdale. <laughs> oh God. Sorry. Um, Go ahead. Here's where it started getting a little trickier. Um, Wyatt Mills was the number six guy. Um, I like him. I like what I've seen from him. I'd be very happy if he made the opening day roster. I think he's done enough to earn that. Um, but I, I still don't know if he, like we've seen a couple of outings with him where it seems like his control starts to fail him and things get kind of ugly in a hurry when that happens. Um, so I think that that's why I don't feel quite as comfortable moving him a little bit higher. But that's something that can change. If he comes up and he's just lights out like nine out of ten games, like fine. Uh, but for now, I value I, I put Zach Kelly over him because we've seen Zach Kelly do it, and um, we've seen Zach Kelly. He's had a couple of outings where things didn't go as well as they should. Uh, he's gotten he 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 seems like he's always a victim of death by a million paper cuts, which uh, kind of sucks. But you know his changeup really is that good he's got that 97 mile an hour fastball he showed his composure um he's somebody that i feel comfortable in a sixth or seventh inning role at this point um and you know so we'll, we'll uh, he's, a, he's a nice little option to have there um the next guy is richard uh blyer who we haven't gotten to see a ton of yet because he was pitching for team israel um and he's another one of these kind of he honestly him kelly and mills are sort of in a tie for me right now. They're sort of like a 4A, 4B, 4C. But Blyer's done it for longer. He's kind of a different look, doesn't walk anybody, and he's left-handed. 
So he got the uh, edge over Kelly and Mills. Uh, then from there, Chris Martin uh, has done nothing to make me think that he's not going to be an effective pitcher for the team. Kenley Jansen and John Schreiber. Schreiber's looked a little bit rough this spring, but, you know, like he's... Uh, he did enough last year that I don't think the top three are really going to change at all until the season starts. I, you know, like it's just, it, it's tough to do with the guys that have solidified roles in the rotation. If, if Hauk was there, he'd be probably number three or four. He'd be ahead of Blyer. I'd kind of be deciding between him and Martin, but that's, uh, that's who I trust right now. Remember, it's not how they're doing. It's how it's, it's the, it's the, uh, the, the, God, I'm having a brain fart now. What, what's it when, like, everything's merged together? Like, oh, blended? no, I'm a brain fart. Yeah, no, it's... Blended? Mushed? No, it's not blended. It's, oh, God. It's like the, um, starts with a C. Conglomerate? Uh, uh, let's just say conglomerate, sure, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the conglomerate. No, that doesn't sound right. No, it doesn't sound right. doesn't sound right. The, 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 the compilation? Some, I, I don't know. It's, Fuck, now I'm, now I'm trying to think of it now. Like, yeah, oh, no. It's the it's the mixture of everything that's happened like over the like in their tenure with the team that makes up the trust, not just individual performance at this time. This is basically like, you know, if there was a gun to the earth, like, you know, who would you trust to get the yeah. outs? So I like that you're just like, gun to, is that what, what's next, Hogtail? Are you going to put a gun to the earth? From the moon, from, the from moon. your position from on the my moon. moon, yeah, my moon position from the gun to the earth, maybe, so, maybe. So, what do you guys think? Where, where are you guys at? Like, did you have any disagreements with me? Really? I mean, I, I, I like where it's at right now. Uh, I, I do think it's funny. Like, uh, I, I like that Richard Blyer is where he is. It, it, he's just a funny pitcher to me because analytics despise him so much because he just does not strike people out, but he also doesn't walk people and he generates soft contact. And he's, he's usually just a really solid guy like that you can depend on. I'm just imagining one of those like clickbait ads. That's like, uh, you know, like doctors hate him. Analytics hate, hate him. him. Yeah. Sabermetricians hate him. <laughs> and it's just like a picture of Richard Blyer, like eating, uh, eating a pizza or something. That's absolutely what it would be too. <laughs> Yeah, I no, like and it. uh I, I I tend to agree. Um maybe and this is just being nitpicky, I would put Brazier slightly ahead of Wyatt Mills. Um, which is surprising for me because I've been one of the biggest Brazier haters on the planet, but you invented he has DF Azure. <laughs> he ha- he <laughs> has been that. good. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, DF Albeck now, but uh <laughs> no. I thought his name was I thought his name was uh was Dilbert. Because of that typo Dil- we saw. Dil- Dilbert, yeah, yeah, yeah that was, was pretty good now. too. Bobby Dilbert. How <laughs> dare you Dilbert. disparage our opening day shortstop, Bobby Dahlbeck? Like, what the fuck, man? D- don't don't even go there. Um, but <laughs> that was I, a bad I'll... sentence, and you should feel bad for saying it. <laughs> I also agree with uh, your top three, but instead of it being one, two, three, I kind of see it as one A, one B, and one C. Um, I, I don't think there's really too much there to, to differentiate between the three. Um, or maybe it's a 1A, 1B, and then a 2 for Chris Martin. But um, I, I do think that Shriver and Kenley Jansen are, are 
the best two relievers in our bullpen. Dude, like, after, like, you insert Hauk into this bullpen, if you, like, compared this bullpen to, like, the bullpen last year, like, holy shit. Remember Hansel Robles getting, getting, like, save opportunities? Oh, God. That was bizarre. That was real. Yeah, that's... That's a good point, Hogdale. It, inserting Hauk into this list, he would he would clearly jump to one of the top, uh, at least the top four spots. So it it's going to be interesting to see like whenever the final shakedown happens. And of course, if Caleb Ort is DFA'd, he would drop off. So there's that. But um, yeah, I, I agree with where it is for right now. And uh, I don't really have any issue with it. So uh, that's Ed's Trustometer for March 19th, 2023, presented by Chips Crackers. Still can't believe we got sponsorship. That's insane. And it is a real sponsorship. Yeah. No, I know you said real. that. You said that. It is real. It's real. I know, I know it's real. <laughs> it's real. Um, it's real? <laughs> it's, no, they it's got real. eliminated. They got, they got eliminated. Uh, let's see what else do we have in our notes to talk about. Uh, we already talked a little bit about uh, World Baseball Classic, USA versus Cuba, and Japan versus Mexico. Uh, any any predictions on on those games? Think that the U.S. I mean, the safe bet would be U.S. Japan finals. I think though it would be really cool to see Mexico get in the finals. Uh, I'm not expecting it at all but i i have family in mexico so I, you know i have to i have to root for them sorry japan i know randy rosarena said that he's going to be cheering for the united states against cuba so that mexico can beat the united states in the championship That's oh my god hilarious that is funny you know especially since you know putting my patriotic hat on like you know the hammer of freedom is inescapable what you gonna do when the United <laughs> States baseball team comes for you, brother? I just want that played in loop every time, like right before the U.S. team plays moving forward. That's Listen, Hogdale mania running wild Hogdale. over here. Yeah, fucking yeah, yes. We created this sport. You know, fucking all of you will bow to the United States supremacy by the. It's time. Um, so next week, whenever we get onto the show, it'll be the last Sunday before the regular season starts. Thank God. So I I think what we should plan to do for next week is come up with our list of predictions for what we think is going to happen in the 2023 season. And we can, we can do the obvious things like predict the record and, and predict where the Red Sox will finish and all that good stuff. But I also think we should, we should um, you know, maybe try to predict rookie of the year, MVP. For just um, the Red Sox or like the league? Yes. Yes, we both. <laughs> okay. Both. Why not? Who's going to be the most? World Series picks too. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's predict it all. Let's let's see how much stuff we can get right, and if we if we remember and have anybody that is able to go back and uh, verify for us, 
then maybe we'll see how much stuff we actually get right at the end we of the year. We just write it down so I don't have to listen to us. I don't like oh, that's to a good call. speak. So. Well, that, that's why I said somebody else can go and verify it for <laughs> us. Because... You know what? I'll make a, I'll make like a chart or something, and we can, we can just okay. use that. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, just throw it on a spreadsheet and save it until the end of the year. See, see what we get right, what we get wrong. I think that'll be fun. Um, a little smart fella. Hey, that is that is very intelligent of you, Edward, the Thank one and you. only. Um, so I actually I have something that I want to talk about. Let's um, go. We let's almost do it. Done, but I don't want to do it until we've gone over our material that's like actually in your notes, Brandon. Oh, we're done. Oh, we are. Okay. So yeah. you know what I did this weekend? I was up in uh, I was up in Vermont for uh, an APA draft. It was the twenty fourth year in a row my dad have done that I have done one of these. Uh, these drafts and I don't know how I feel about how I did in this one um, because I'm the commissioner of this league. It is a uh, pain in the ass to keep track of everything while it's going on. So I missed, uh, I think that if I were like actually looking at my notes more, I would have done better. There's like a couple of moves that I'm, I'm still kicking myself for, but I just want to, I just want to tell you who I got for my team. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was picking 13th. My first pick was Oswald uh, Peraza of the uh, the Yankees, who is uh, in line to be their starting shortstop. Um, I so yeah, I know what you're saying, Yankees, but I don't I don't give a shit about that stuff for this. Like I need I need good players. I had Brett Gardner as my left fielder for years; he was great for me, so I'm not uh, too concerned about that. I also have rather than trying to um, like get players that um can immediately help me i just get the most talented guy in the first round now um because there were guys already taken because it looks like he might make the team out of spring training yeah he's going to nobody had taken him though so i grabbed him when i saw him there no Uh, way yeah that's a steal yeah there were other guys so you're allowed like one minor league guy that hasn't played in the majors yet per season and i i had it all planned i was going to take jordan walker and somebody used the friggin fourth pick in the draft to get him so i uh that didn't work (laughs) out for me um my dad had the first pick in the draft. He took Gunnar Henderson. He traded That's good effectively. Pick. He traded Carlos Correa, David Bentner, and, and uh, David Price to get uh, that top pick. So he he traded those off. Which, if you're going with like the continuity of this league, my dad won the championship last year, and Carlos Correa was the World Series MVP. So it's really funny to me. It's like a team trading their World Series MVP right after they win. Literally. Um. But yeah, so that was my first pick. And then the second one, this is where I made my first big mistake. I took um, Jose Quintana, and I knew about the injury and everything. I needed a guy to be middle of the rotation. The way that this league works is you take their stats from the previous season, and it kind of creates a card for them, and that'll determine their performance for the season. So um, I have his performance from last year. He gives me a really solid number three starter, but there were just better guys available. And I didn't go after them. And uh, I wish I had taken, like, you know, like, I also could have gone later. I could have taken, like, Bray and Bale with that pick, and I didn't. Um, so I'm kind of <laughs> kicking myself on that one. Um, because, But the thing was that I thought that there were enough, like, prospects, like young players, that he might sneak through. No, I didn't no. realize how many, like, middle-aged guys that had good years last year were in it. There was, like, him and Michael Waka. Um, I ended up with, like, Drew Smiley later on in it. Um, but I took Andres Munoz with my third pick, and I'm still really thrilled about that. Um, are you guys familiar with Munoz? 
not entirely. Who's he? Nope. He is a 23-year-old on the Seattle Mariners who is going to be their closer this year, presumably. Oh, okay. Um, he th- yeah, yeah, that's, th- that's going to be a good pick. He has, like, his fastball is, like, over 100 miles an hour, but now it's, like, uh, it's, like, um, God, what was I going to say? Uh, no, he's got, like, a slider that's even better than that now, though, so he's, like, Damn. a key part of the Mariners. Um, I got Luis Regatho in the uh, fourth round. He's like uh, the short uh, shortstop, second baseman for the Angels. He's going to be my starting shortstop this year. Uh, Drew Smiley after that. He's my number five starter. I think I, had tra- I made a terrible trade last year. I traded my sixth round pick in this draft for uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., so I didn't have one. Oh, uh, oh I know. God. I thought he. That- Listen, when I tell you that I uh, believe in a player and I do a move like that, I really believe in him. Yeah, you really I'm believed. Wrong. I was I was very much wrong with that one, he but I so really thought he was going to do something last year. Uh, so that kind of screwed me a little bit because I would have had a decent pick. But I had a couple seventh round picks, and I took um, Chris Martin, the new Red Sox reliever, was still available, so I grabbed him for my pen. I took um, uh, Trevor Williams, who's like a swing man for the Nationals, who's going to be in the rotation. But he threw like uh, 89 innings in, uh, last year, so I can just use I can just spam that out of my pen, which is great. Uh, God, who did I take? I took a couple of other guys. This guy, Brandon Hughes, who's a lefty with the Cubs, who got some saves for them. Uh, then in the ninth, I finally bit the bullet. I took my one guy that didn't play in the majors. I took uh, Miguel Blaze. So I have to hold on to him for a few years now because you can only have two of these That'll guys be a great on your team. Respect, though. He's nuts. Yeah. Well, I, I've made so many like moves before where it's like, well, he's not going to come up for a while, so I shouldn't get him. I'll take this guy who's coming up soon. And like, I would have had Vladimir Guerrero Jr. if I had just like sucked your process and taken him. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I've realized in recent years, you kind of have to hit on this pick. It's the only way that you can really build up that like superstar depth. So. You kind of have, like, I thought Ronald Acuna that way. I got, uh, I got a few other good, very good players that way. And then, like, you know, last year I took Seiya Suzuki and my team's, you know, like, not as good as it could be this year. So, um, trying to, trying to just, like, go for the, go for the ceiling on that. Go Especially guys since these young guys up. more and more often now are making instant impact. Like, these guys are ready-made. Fucking, exactly. You know, exactly. I mean, you saw, like, with, yeah, like, Jackson Churio, like, shot up three levels this year um ronald acuna did the same thing if they're really going to be that good they're going to move really quickly well, fucking um, julio like j-rod holy shit oh man yeah that dude okay. walked into the big leagues as a top 10 center fielder like that's insane <laughs> yeah and now with like the way that it's set up you don't have to like if, if you make the opening day roster and win rookie of the year that benefits the team so if your, your talent's there it's good for the, the team shouldn't be messing around with uh you know with like your playing time or whatever um the 10th round, I needed a backup catcher, so I took Andrew uh, Kinsner, Kinsner, or whatever his name is, the one with the Cardinals, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Eli Morgan was still left, and I think he's pretty good with the uh, with the Guardians, so that was, uh, that was that was my draft. Now I have to figure out who to cut, but, you know, it's uh, kind of the, uh, the weekend of the year for me. Like, I, I've been doing this for such a long time, and, you know, these are the guys that I end up following for the whole season and get really invested in. So it's uh, getting Volpe's a lot of a really fun. good pick. What I, was that? I said getting Volpe is a really good pick. Oh uh, no, I didn't take Volpe. I thought about taking Volpe last year. I got um, Peraza. Oh, that was uh, last year. Okay. Yeah, Peraza's going to beat out Volpe at least to start the season. But I wish. But Volpe's I, looking to be their second baseman. Like they really like him right now. 
You know, I thought about you know, I took Suzuki over Volpe last year, and I'm oh. kind of regretting it at this point. But at the same time, do I really want to have the entire Yankee middle infield? Not, not really. Is Suzuki um, still hurt? Did he get hurt again? Was yeah, he's hurt. Oh, he that is, sucks. He is hurt, um, and that's unfortunate. I would like him to come back. I think. I mean, I think he's better than he was last year. It's just like I used a third round pick on him in my one bonus spot. So you, you want to do a little better with that. What's up, Brandon? I did think of one more thing that I wanted to uh, to talk about while yeah. you were talking about your drafts and all this stuff. And I was thinking about guys that are going to be around for the long time. And we have not talked about Justin Turner and the fact that he ate a fastball to the face and he's expected to be back in the lineup. How that's cool amazing. That? It's amazing. And earlier in the episode, we talked about our favorite player, not named Rafael Devers. For me, Justin Turner took that spot because of his toughness and his ability to to or his desire to want to come back and play. That, yeah, talk about a way to acclimate yourself to a new locker room. It's like eat a fucking fastball to the face and be like, "Well, I'm not missing opening day. Are you you kidding me? Like, I'm not gonna miss any games." Like, who's your favorite that Hogdale? My favorite, like non. Uh, who's your favorite non Raffy on the Red Sox? Uh, Raphael Devers. <laughs> I hate you, but this I'm guy. afraid of you, so I can't like threaten you. Kill me, the moon. It probably actually. I mean, obviously, taking this question seriously, it's it's very it's, serious it's, question, Hog. Very, you know, it's so serious. You know, gun gun to my head. You know, who who are you gonna pick? But uh, it, it's really tough. It's either it's either Doogie or it's either Kike, and I love both of them equally. Kike you want to live, this... Hogdale? Do you want to live? <laughs> You gotta pick one. One. I think I, I think I take Kike just for the way he's established himself as a leader this offseason, the way he's made the media look like a bunch of fucking nerds. So how many all-star teams do you make? Like how many fucking bitches have you gotten in the last ten years? Shut up. <laughs> my God. No I, one cares. That, that, that might be my new favorite Hogdale quote of all time. How many <laughs> bitches have you gotten in the last ten years? Like no one gives a fuck. Like no one. So so Kike fucking owns. The Man, the I, update the resume tweets have been pretty pretty glorious pretty, from Kike. Pretty lousy. Yeah, I go Kike too right now. Also, he's a lot of fun to watch when he's going well. But I could see somebody like Yoshida or Cassis or Bayo stepping into that role for me or Alfaro. That's thing is I just need like Cassis and uh Bayo to just do it in the big leagues for me to like really start to, you know, latch my arms around them because I I do think they're both going to be great. I just need to see them being great. All right. Well, that's all that I have for this episode. Uh, you guys have anything else you want to add? No. I'd, I'd like to add that I have a healthy fear and respect of Hogdale, and despite uh, putting a gun to his head minutes ago and uh, forcing him to pick who his player is, please don't um, don't show up at my house seeking retribution, <laughs> Hogdale. Please. Of course. I've never been that you. cruel. Never be that callous. What a nice guy. So, uh, so stay tuned for next week whenever we do our prediction of everything 2023 uh, baseball season. And stay tuned to Twitter this week because I'm sure there will be more feats of Hogdale. We'll see you next week.